my attention, Fulton Sheen, in that one line, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. That, um, I thought, I want more. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking to Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer. So why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in for the next little while as we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. First of all, today I wanted to welcome our listeners back to the Pints and Pews podcast, as we've taken a bit of a summer hiatus at the beginning of August to have a chance to kick back, relax, and visit with family who we haven't seen in a little while. But just as we were happy to do all of those things, it gives us an equal amount of pleasure to be back behind the microphone. Like I just said, normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer. Unfortunately, for the time being, I'll be flying somewhat solo. On behalf of our brother in Christ, Dennis, I'd like to ask you to keep him in your prayers. You see, a couple of weeks ago, Dennis was hospitalized with some health issues, but I'm happy to report that he's now back at home recuperating nicely, and he hopes to return to the Pints and Pews podcast in the next month or so. It would be great if you could leave a quick prayer comment or a message via the Facebook page And I'll make sure that it gets to Dennis. And I know for a fact that prayers have been sustaining him through his illness. So once again, like I said, I'm flying somewhat solo, but I'm not completely alone today. And I would like to take a moment now to introduce to you this week's guest. Al Smith is the founder and creator of the Bishop Sheen Today Apostolate. He's a radio host, director of the Fulton J. Sheen Mission Society of Canada. And he's a member of the board of directors of the Archbishop Fulton John Sheen Foundation, which works to make known the life, works, and thoughts of Fulton J. Sheen with the goal of bringing others to Christ through the Venerable Archbishop, as well as advancing the cause for the canonization of Archbishop Sheen. Alan does this through compiling and publishing the works of Fulton Sheen and getting out and speaking about them on other podcasts and various radio shows. And this summer, he's put out roughly a, a baker's dozen of Fulton Sheen's works. Uh, and he's done this to, to complement his previous anthologies with Sophia Institute Press. Lord, Teach Us to Pray, which is an anthology of Fulton Sheen's work on the aspect of our prayer lives and how we can develop our prayer life to grow in a greater relationship with our Lord. The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, which is, again, an anthology of, based on the seven last words of our Savior that he said from the cross. And I can say from that one I found for myself, it was actually uh, very inspiring, and it helped me bring together my own Lenten mission that I put put out last year based on Christ's wounds and our own woundedness. And just released a couple of weeks ago is the Book of Sacraments, uh, in which Alan puts together various writings of Fulton Sheen to help us come to a greater understanding of our sacramental life. So Alan, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. Robert, it is great to be here with your community of believers and community drinkers. And so um, when you invited me on the show and you said that uh, you'll get to sip one of your favorite brews, I said, where do I sign up? Uh, what, what day, what hour can we do it? Uh, can we do three of these? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I find that amusing. Usually when I, I send out the invitation, uh, it, it's very quick. Oh yeah, no. Uh, can I bring my favorite sour or can I bring my, my favorite IPA? Uh, or in your case, you're saying you know, your, your favorite cider. And from that, the, the development of the, the fraternity and the fellowship and being able to speak about uh, our Lord while we're enjoying that. So I have to admit now, though, after reading such a, a wonderful bio that you have and getting that, my mouth is actually a, a little dry. So I'm going to take a moment now and uh, open up. 
I have here today. One thing I like to do too, Alan, is select a, a beer that is uh, somehow related to our guests. So today what I've selected from the Great Lakes Brewing Company is an Octopus Wants to Fight IPA. And we were chatting very briefly off air. Uh, the reason for my choosing the Octopus Wants to Fight is that we both share a connection, not just our, our love for for Christ and our, our love for our Lord, but we share a connection uh, in that our spouses are Portuguese. And like I said, off the top was visiting family that we hadn't seen in a while. We went to visit my Portuguese in-laws. And whenever we go to visit my Portuguese in-laws, my mother-in-law knows that my absolute favorite dish is octopus stew. And so that's always on the menu as soon as we roll uh, into the house. Now, your wife as well is Portuguese, correct? Yes, she is. And uh, of course, born in the uh, Azores, in the uh, tiny island. Um, many people know San Miguel or Santa Maria. Uh, but my wife was born on the island of Santa Maria. And she uh, moved to Lisbon as a little girl from the islands and came to Canada when she was nine years old. And so I'm glad the good Lord brought her to Canada with her family. So I'm a blessed man because of that move. Oh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And again, too blessed that my in-laws, they were also from the Azores and they, uh, my mother-in-law from San Miguel, which is near Santa Maria, uh, my father-in-law from San George. And again, too, the, you know, the way God's plan works for our lives, bringing them here to Canada. Uh, my wife was born here uh, and then growing up. And as they say, the, the rest is history. We met and uh, we actually just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary last week. So, you know, God is good. God is good. Congratulations. Now, thank you. Thank you. Now, what are you drinking today? Uh, today, I am drinking uh, No Boats on Sunday. Uh, it's one of my favorite ciders. And, um, you know, I've been a fan of ciders for many years. And um, again, for some reason, you know, I started with Strongbow. And um, of course, because I work for a company um, based out of the UK. And so, um, you know, drinking stouts and ciders kind of came with the job. It's um, my employer. I was a big fan. And uh, so my love of ciders, but what caught my attention with this cider is no boats on Sunday. And uh, again, it speaks well to what, um, again, a spiritual journey I'm on. I've been tr really trying to work on resting on Sundays, just stopping what I'm doing on Sundays. And I, I've um, been guilty of uh, working on Sundays, even if it's spiritual work. Sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, even though I've been writing and doing radio work for quite some time, uh, I'm still tempted to kind of still uh, plug along on Sundays. And so uh, this uh, cider reminds me, uh, again, take Sunday off, really take it off. And uh, so again, no boats on Sunday kind of speaks to uh, a call in my heart to, um, to truly rest on the Lord's day. So uh, I love the cider. It's uh, of course, uh, Ontario apples. So I love to be as local as I can be. And uh, so again, it's available in uh, the grocery stores. So it's not like I have to go to a a special Yubu place or, you know, or wait for it to come out once a year. So uh, it can be your everyday drink if you want it to be. But for me, it's just uh, like enjoying it from here, you know. You know. And, and maybe if we can petition the, the the brewery, if you are the cidery, if you will, you know, to change the name, no longer no boats on Sunday, but perhaps no shopping on Sunday. To yes. <laughs> would, yes. Be, would be more appropriate. Okay. So, but before we, we uh, dip into our beverages, we always say grace before beer. Uh, so before we take our first sip, or as I like to say, firstus sipimus, uh, before we take our first sip, we'll say grace before beer. And I'll change a little bit so that we can also say grace before cider along with the beer here today. Okay, yes. We'll begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this, these creatures, beer and cider which thou hast deemed to produce from the fat of grain and fruit, that they may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of the, thy holy name that whoever shall drink of them may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. Cheers. Salud. This is kind of where my buddy Dennis would uh, you know, invoke his inner Marcus Grodi. And he says, this is where we're going to step back now. We're going to turn the microphone over to you yourself and share a little bit of your own faith foundation. Now, who was Al Smith growing up? How did you develop your, your relationship with Christ? And how has that taken you into your Fulton Sheen apostolate today? All right. Well, I have to say, first of all, I have to thank my parents for a very special um, act that they um, did when I was baptized. They brought me to, of course, the local parish to baptize me. And um, again, at, during that baptism, they consecrated me to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary and uh, kind of a hidden consecration. But uh, I didn't find this out till you know, I was older, but still uh, very grateful to that uh, consecration that they made uh, on my behalf. And so uh, I'm one of 12 children. I start off with that. I say uh, I was born into a small Catholic family of 12 children, and it was a blended family in the sense that uh, my mom and dad had seven biological children, um, and uh, they lost two of those children, of course, um, uh, my brother Glenn uh, only lasted about a month, and my sister Anne-Marie also died after about a month. And so uh, kind of grew up with this idea that I had a brother and sister already in heaven. And uh, so the conversation uh, always went to my brother and sister to say, you know, remember, this is, is really just a camping trip. Um, my family loved to go camping. And so, of course, my mom and dad uh, use the camping experience to kind of uh, make it uh, real in the spiritual life that you are camping, you know, your true home's in heaven, but you're here on a camping trip. So be a happy camper. And I think that's what was kind of my childhood is just trying to be a happy camper. And now, uh, of course, growing up with 12 children, uh, all these brothers and sisters, and, uh, you know, five of my brothers and sisters were adopted. And so I have uh, two sisters who are native Indians. Um, my one sister is of uh, Cree Indian descent, and another one of my sisters is Ojibwe. And so I kind of understand, um, you know, native spirituality, but also, um, you know, the struggles of native communities, of course, because of what I learned through my sisters. And, um, and of course, as they grew up uh, and uh, they left home, they went back to uh, the reservations that uh, they were taken from and, of course, married uh, back into the culture. So, uh, again, just seeing my sister's journey and uh, seeing the, the brokenness of uh, some of my brothers and sisters who were adopted, um, kind of dealing with that rejection, the feeling that they were rejected by their biological parents, but still a house of love, a house of acceptance, and uh, yet a house of prayer and uh, living the faith. I, I grew up going to Mass every day. Uh, my good mother um, put as many of the 12 children that she could into the van and said, I'm going to a daily mass. Who wants to join me? And of course, uh, the local Catholic school was right beside the church. And so it was really easy. And so I found a love for the mass uh, since uh, grade two. And uh, I've been going to mass every day. I'm almost 60 now. And uh, it was a holy habit I thank my parents for. And my father went to mass every morning at 7 a.m. Um, so I, I saw my dad kind of not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And so uh, every evening, the family rosary, uh, if you liked it or not, you that if you lived under the roof of my parents, you had to pray the family rosary. Uh, if you didn't like the family rosary, well, then you can move out. It's okay. <laughs> and so you had to go to Sunday mass and pray the rosary if you wanted to live under the roof of my parents. And so uh, so that's how it, it, how it was. Uh, but of course, um, we lived um, in Pickering, Ontario, uh, on Frenchman's Bay. And so we, our house uh, backed onto the water. And so we had rowboats, canoes, sailboats. And so my parents were always keeping us busy by enjoying the great outdoors. And so I got a great um, opportunity to love nature. 
and to just have that quiet time on the water. So um, learned how to pray, um, you know, in the quiet moments. And uh, so um, I, I feel like I had a blessed childhood. Uh, yes, it was a crazy house. There was lots of craziness. And I, I can, I I can imagine with 12 of you. Yeah, through, through there. I know. But I think spiritually, though, my mom, um, especially my mother, uh, of course, and I, I applaud the many good mothers who are left trying to keep the kids busy through the day. Uh, my dad worked so hard, of course, just uh, trying to uh, make ends meet and, of course, uh, feed these 12 children. And uh, but my good mother had to, um, you know, be the disciplinarian during the day, but uh, also um, the catechist, too. And um, one thing she got us involved with was, was singing and performing. And so uh, we were a musical family. And uh, my mother put a microphone behind uh, in my hand um, right away. And so I, I absolutely loved it. So it, um, it just lent itself very well to what I do today. Of course, uh, I've been hosting a radio show for over 20 years. But I uh, love the microphone, love um, you know, sharing uh, the faith. And uh, I thank my good mother for... Um, instilling in us that holy habit of not being afraid to witness, not being afraid to sing for your supper. And of course, my mother and father got us involved with youth ministry. Um, there was a, a little bit of a charismatic youth group um, in Oshawa. And mm -hmm. um, so we kind of connected into that. So uh, some people would say, oh, you were with the charismaniacs. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I kind of say, well, that's, that's a kind word. I like that charismaniacs. And because yep, yep. uh, they might think you're a little bit over the top, but still, um, I just call it Catholicism 201 is what I call it, you know, uh, yep, yep. because they really uh, love the gifts of the spirits. But um, it, it's one of these things where I just, I can't really complain about my childhood Yes, there was some times of woundedness. Yes, there was, you know, things I'm embarrassed about. But um, well, there, there, aren't we all embarrassed about some of the stuff from our childhood? So we'll we'll just yeah. move on from that question right now. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. But again, I think it, there was a great faith formation and uh, a great. Um, I was given opportunities every day to uh, practice my faith, and, and my good father took us to confession every two weeks if we needed to or not. And he drove us 20 miles to the farthest parish um, that we could get to. And we loved it. We loved our dad for that. We got to confession, but we didn't even know who the priest was because it was so far, far away. Um, so again, I, I love my mom and dad. And uh, so glad um, I had this faith formation because it really lended itself so well to what I've been doing uh, with my Sheen apostolate. So uh, everything I learned in those early years at home, I'm using today. So, uh, and, and God, God bless your parents. I mean, our parents really are our first educators. Our parents really are the ones who, who bring us to the faith. And uh, you were blessed with two parents that really worked hand in hand for that. And I think it's really important that the parents plant those seeds of faith in their children. And it's doubly important that the father takes a big role in that. Uh, I love that story. You're saying your dad driving you guys 20 miles to go to confession every two weeks, whether you needed it or not. Uh, chances are, and actually, I know I'm going to say that we all need it every two weeks. Mm -hmm. I always say confession is like a, a shower for our soul. So if you were to go without showering for two weeks, just imagine how stinky you'd be, right? <laughs> well, so then just imagine how, how stinky your soul's getting when, when you're not washing it for, for such an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you very quickly, you mentioned at your baptism that uh, you were consecrated, your parents consecrated you to the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. How do you think that that's had an influence on your life? Well, I think, um, I think as you, you know, journey with the Lord and you start to, uh, I want to say, uh, become intimate. And I just say intimate in the sense that you take time to listen to him. And, you know, I've been blessed, of course, through the example of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen to uh, practice the holy habit of a holy hour each day. And really, you know, the Sacred Heart of Jesus you know, is the heart that loves, it's a heart that's wounded. And, um, you know, when you think of the, the vision that St. Margaret Mary Alicote had, and when our Lord Jesus appeared to her, uh, and presented to him his heart, 
it was his heart that was wounded, not his head. It wasn't a crown of thorns. It was, you know, again, a heart that was being pierced. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's this whole idea of how do I love? Well, I need someone to set an example for me. And it's that holy heart of love to the sacred heart. And, you know, I was presented with that devotion that uh, of the first Friday devotion, mm -hmm. and of course, the first Saturdays, and the 15 promises made, um, of course. Um, and again, this whole idea of just um, knowing that these promises do come true. And so it was just the devotion that somehow just um, appealed to me. And um, because I, you know, want to make reparation, I'm ever since I became a father, I started to realize, you know, um, I want my kids that to make amends for when they make mistakes that they, of course, if they wound their mother, they apologize to their mother and make a little bit of reparation. And um, I think this has ha happened in my life as I realized this heart um, gives me an opportunity to make reparations for the time that I've wounded the heart. And, you know, the two hearts are so connected, the heart of Jesus and the heart of Mary are inseparable. And so uh, when I wound Jesus's heart, I wound the Blessed Virgin Mary's heart. And so, um, again, the, these two holy hearts, um, I'm just so glad that, um, you know, they are enshrined in my home. And um, I recommend that everyone, um, you know, I think you've seen these before, these pictures of the Sacred Heart that are mm -hmm. to be blessed and then, of course, put in a prominent place of the home. And uh, there's an enthronement ceremony. And so I remember when we were newly married, the parish priest came to our home and in, in, uh, enrolled us. And of course, the uh, picture of the Sacred Heart has been in a prominent place all of these years. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of these things. It's, um, again, I get it now. And I, I say to parents out there, uh, do these little consecrations. Um, offer your children up to certain saints. And of course, uh, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Because, you know, when we think of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, uh, who, of course, I'm greatly devoted to and been sharing his writings for years, his mother, on the day of his baptism, she took that little baby and placed that little baby in front of the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she entrusted her son to her care. And so uh, she made uh, a little consecration for him on the days of, day of his baptism for the Blessed Mother, and she reminded him all his whole life about that consecration. And so, of course, during his first Holy Communion, he rededicated the consecration. And of course, when he was ordained as a priest, uh, he made a promise that he would offer Mass every Saturday in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary, that she would protect his priesthood. So uh, mothers and fathers, do these consecrations. They pay big dividends. This faith foundation, as you've been alluding to, has brought you then to this Fulton Sheen apostolate. If you want to maybe share a little bit about how you got started uh, to be enamored with Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm convinced that saints pick us. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. they, they, I mean, we do pick saints. Like, I mean, oh, I love St. Joseph or, you know, I love St. John Bosco. But there are a few saints that all of a sudden say, no, no, I want you. And exactly. they, pick, they pick us. And so exactly. um, the year was 2009. And, you know, I was 48 years old at the time. And uh, my wife and I were dropping our daughter off to a little Catholic college called Our Lady Seat of Wisdom College up in Barry's Bay. And so I was seeing my daughter off to the dormitory to make sure uh, she was in good protective custody, mm -hmm. uh, like any good father. And my wife was in the office by the library and the librarian was giving away a number of books because they were getting rid of the old tattered, um, torn dog-eared copies and making room for new editions. And so she saw the free book table and of course she gravitate that's a that's that. a magnet free book table is always a magnet <laughs> it's always a magnet and so my wife picked up a few books and she picked up the book called peace of soul uh it was fulton sheen's 1949 classic uh where of course he um you know it was one of his bestsellers he was on the new york times bestsellers list with that book and uh my wife says oh i got this book from fulton sheen i think you're gonna like it and i said well start reading it to me on the way home and we had a four and a half hour drive to get back home. 
And so she opened the book, and I'll never forget the first line of that book. Fulton Sheen says, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. And when I heard that line, I thought, boy, that, that's so refreshing. Like, who talks about saving souls anymore? And, um, you know, I kind of remember being involved with charismatic renewal as a, as a teenager, a young adult, and it was all about saving souls. I, I loved it. Like, oh, let's go out and uh, see if we can get people to get saved, you know? Mm-hmm, and of mm-hmm. course, uh, we always like to say there's the Catholic version of getting saved and then there was the evangelical version of getting saved you know and so and, and that's another program altogether. yeah that's a that's a whole other podcast in and of itself <laughs> right but i just i just he he got my attention fulton sheen in that one line unless souls are saved nothing is saved that um i thought i want more i want more and so when we got home i said to my wife can i read that book piece of soul and she says no 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 you get your own Bishop Sheen book. I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be a while with this one. And so I went on the internet and I looked up what Fulton Sheen had written, and I found out that he wrote close to 70 books. There's and a I lifetime thought, worth of reading there. Yes. And so I thought, okay, let's see what title jumps out at me. So there was a little book called Victory Over Vice. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I could use a little bit of work. I I, you know, the seven deadly sins, I might have one, you know, one of them, you know, but, uh, well, but some, some of us have eight. So, I know. That's- <laughs> <laughs> so, so I picked up a copy of Victory Over Vice and I started to read it. And, you know, Fulton Sheen was like that good parish priest that just shouldered up beside me. And he just said, no, let's come on. Let's be honest. You, you, you suffer from all seven of the seven deadly sins to some degree. And I'm going to give you some therapy. There's stuff in that book that gives people the tools that they need to overcome the seven deadly sins. And so he became a life coach for me. That book uh, changed my life in the sense that I had a new and fresh perspective on the price of sin and what it cost me and what it cost the church because we're all together. And even to the point where what it cost the Blessed Virgin Mary because uh, she lost her son because of our sin. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the apology. And, you know, it was after reading that book that all of a sudden I realized that Jesus went on the cross because of my sins. And, you know, I give the analogy of a drunk driver and that, you know, we see this on the six o'clock news almost every day. Drunk driver kills little child, um, you know, more news at 11. And so um, it's sad, but we hear it all the time. And yet the drunk driver wakes up in a prison cell, sobers up, and then is told what happened. And we know that many of these drunk drivers have great remorse. Uh, They were temporarily insane. Uh, But still, there's a point where many of them want to apologize. And you always think, what will the mother say when that gentleman comes forward Um, to apologize for killing the child. And uh, a light kind of went on and said, you know what, in a way, I'm kind of that drunk driver in that my recklessness caused that innocent victim, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And the victim's mother is there at the foot of the cross. And she's there right there. And um, I just saw that connection. And I realized, yeah, I, I need to apologize to her because her heart's been pierced. She's losing her son because of my sin. And uh, I tell you, when I apologized to the Blessed Virgin Mary in a very special way, my relationship with her improved immensely uh, because I was right with my mother, my heavenly mother. So Fulton Sheen was able to guilt me in a good way, in a good way. Wow. Well, that's just an amazing analogy. And I think I might have to steal that because it really puts it into a contemporary context. Now, we're so used to saying that, yes, you know, Jesus died for our sins on the cross, but we can't really make that connection. Mentally, we just can't make that leap. But using that analogy that you've just used of the drunk driver and the mother of the, the victim, I think just makes it a little bit more real or makes it a little bit more understandable for all of us. Right. Well, you have my permission. You can use that and use it a lot. Use it a lot. And, you know, there was another thing that, um, you know, I I enjoy fishing. Um, I don't get to fish that much, but you usually get to 
eat what you catch, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a hunter gets to eat what he catches. And yet, in a beautiful way, um, we slay our Lord with our sins. It's like our sins put our Lord on the cross and he dies on the cross. And yet he gives himself as our spiritual food. We get to eat what we slay. And I mean, it's a concept that Fulton Sheen explains in a number of his books. And um, yet, you know, when you think about it, we cause the death of our Lord, yet he loves us that he then says, but I'm going to feed you with what you just, um, you know, hunted. (laughs) And not that we hunted Jesus down, but you know, you understand the analogy. Oh, I I understand. And I'm stealing that one too. You can steal that one too. Okay. Yes. You know, Um, so (laughs) I don't know where we were, but (laughs) no, okay. We're talking about these books I'm reading. So I, I, I read Victor over vice. And then I start reading, I, I read 24 of his books uh, it seems within the first year, I just couldn't get enough Fulton Sheen. And again, he was giving me life lessons. He was uh, teaching me how to live the Beatitudes, the beautiful book, The Cross and the Beatitudes, how to practice the virtues, uh, 1940 book called The Seven Virtues. Uh, he was teaching about the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, his 1945 book, The Seven Words of Jesus and Mary. So uh, all of these books I just kept consuming. He was helping me, again, be a life coach. Uh, you know, practice virtue, live the Beatitudes, turn away from sin, love the Blessed Mother, be Eucharistic, have a holy hour. Um, I tell you, this was the parish priest I needed, (laughs) I needed in my life. And he just blessed me so much. And, you know, I thought, uh, after three years of being formed by Fulton Sheen, I thought, I want to go, I want to tell the world about his writings, because I was kind of on fire thinking, uh, and, and again, people that know me know that I'm a plumber. Okay. So I'm not a theologian. I'm not, I'm the gas man. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm a pipe fitter. Uh, I, you know, put stoves, dryers, barbecues uh, together all day long. I install them, I fix them. So if, if it burns gas, I, I hook it up and I fix it. So uh, I'm, I'm the gas man. Now, some people call me the pipe padre because I do these religious talks and I'm a plumber by trade. But still, uh, at the end of the day, if Fulton Sheen can take a plumber from Canada, you know, and convert him and, um, of course, give him all these um, these great uh, you know, nuggets of, <laughs> of knowledge that, you know, I'm the best water cooler guy there is on Monday morning, right? Because I have Fulton Sheen in my head. But uh, I tell you, he converted me in a beautiful way. And I wanted the whole world to, to know of Fulton Sheen's writing. So um, again, and, and, and I like referring to you as the Sheen machine. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the gas man, the pipe padre, the Sheen machine. And you said you were one of 12 children. I am. Yes. So kind of like the 12 apostles. Apostles, yes. and, and today we're ce- today as we're recording this, we're celebrating the feast of Saint Bartholomew, right. uh, Saint Bartholomew. So, kind of like one of the twelve apostles. How many of the twelve apostles were theologians? Oh. Right, none of them. Like they were, they 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 they, they, they were all uh, plumbers, if you if yeah. you will. Yeah. So, I mean, there there's your calling, and so. Yeah. You started, you, you fell in love with Sheen. Right. Uh, and again, you, know, you said 24 books in a year, but that's one of the things I love about Fulton Sheen. His writings are so accessible. He takes these huge theological concepts and he makes them understandable. And I think that's the, the, that's the genius of Sheen mm-hmm. is that it's so accessible. So how has that progressed into your apostolate today? kind of did the crash course with Sheen. Uh, but again, um, I, I wanted this, you know, it's just like, I was, I found something that I just had a passion for. And um, I thought, you know what, I train apprentices in my, my day job. And I'm always, you know, bringing young men underneath my wings. And I, of course, just showing them how to do this. And I thought, you know, probably this could be something in a spiritual way too, where I was thinking, you know what? Seminarians need Fulton Sheen in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought when I started to read about Fulton Sheen's life, um, you know, we know all about the years on television and radio. And of course, uh, of course, his years of running the propagation of the faith and traveling the world and raising money for the poor. But when he retired, 
he spent the last 10 years of his life giving priestly retreats uh, because he knew the key to the renovation of the church and the salvation of souls was to renew the priesthood. And I tell you, that got into my head. And I thought, you know what, who needs this the most is the seminarians. And so I had this idea to um, call up the seminary and see if they would allow me to come and give a presentation on Fulton Sheen to the local seminary. And because um, I really just thought this is what Fulton Sheen would want me to do. Mm-hmm, if I mm-hmm. was one of his um, you know, ambassadors, he would say, I want you to spend time with the seminarians because that's what I was doing the last 10 years of my life because it was so important. And so I phoned the local seminary up and uh, St. Peter's in London. And I talked to the rector there and I said, uh, you know, uh, his name is Father Stephen. And I said, Father Steve, um, you know, I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus, the Sarah Club. Uh, I've had a radio show for a number of years, but I have a love for Fulton Sheen. Could I come to the seminary and uh, make a presentation so that uh, the seminarians could hear these messages? And um, so I raised a little bit of money, bought some books, and ended up at the seminary, cemetery, seminary, sorry, seminary, because I, <laughs> seminary, uh, I, I work part-time at the cemetery as a grave digger. That's another story too, <laughs> but uh, I still, so I went to the seminary and um, I tell you, this is a neat little story because here I am, I've got a, a, a work truck and I've got some Fulton Sheen books in the work truck and I'm in the parking lot of the seminary saying, Lord, am I over my head? Like, did I bite off more than I could chew? It's um, scary. It's scary. I said, I need a sign. You got to send me a sign that I'm doing the right thing here. And of course, you just had that sense of, okay, I put out the little fleece to the Lord to say, okay, show me. And uh, I went to the door of the seminary and there a seminary greeted me and he said, uh, who are you? <laughs> you know, and I said, well, I'm, I'm Al Smith. I'm here to give a presentation on Fulton Sheen to the class. And, um, you know, I'm going to have come to Holy Mass and then have supper and then give a presentation. And all of a sudden the seminarian just looks at me. He says, Mr. Smith, he called me (laughs) Mr. Smith. And I said, "Uh Oh, he says, I have to tell you a true story. He says, I was 18 years old and I just finished high school. And I really didn't know what, what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, a lady from church gave me the book, the priest is not his own. And I read that book and I knew that God wanted me to become a parish priest. And so uh, I put the book down, I filled out the application, and I was accepted here at the seminary. Uh, I'm in my fifth year, and I have 40 of Fulton Sheen's books up in my dormitory. Welcome to the cemetery. I mean, the seminary. The seminary. <laughs> the, cemetery. the seminary. And maybe again, it's this no boats on Sunday. So no, the, the, yeah. it's, you know, well, but, but like, what, like we uh, always say, we take the faith seriously, not necessarily ourselves. So that's so. That's true. That's true. The, the seminary, cemetery. Yeah. So as long as I, you're in the right place, it's all good. That's right. So there was my sign. I was greeted at the door of this um, seminary by a seminarian who had 40 Fulton Sheen books in his dorm. And uh, he sent his man to the door to greet me. I knew it was at the right place. And uh, that day, of course, I think we gifted a uh, hundred books to the seminarians that were there. Uh, everybody was happy. And I knew that uh, God wanted me to do this work. And uh, within three months, I was then at the sem- seminary in Toronto uh, at St. Augustine's mm-hmm. giving a presentation and then at the seminary of St. Philip Neri uh, in Toronto. And then six months later, I was in Edmonton, Alberta at St. Joseph's Seminary uh, giving a presentation. And then of course in um, Mission BC uh, giving a presentation at the seminary there. So uh, the good Lord put me on the road to be with these seminarians, to gift them Fulton Sheen's books and to uh, again, train up an army of uh, new priests that will be like Fulton Sheen. So um, that's the mission God put me on. And all I had to do was walk through the door. Um, He just says, I'll open the door. You just got to walk through. And again, how he uses this pipe fitter (laughs) from Ontario to go coast to coast, uh, talking to seminarians. Um, God is good. And uh, what was really, 
really yes all the time yeah what was really neat was all of a sudden i get a letter from the bishop in peoria illinois uh who running the cause of fulton sheen's canonization and um i had made a trip in 2012 to uh, visit peoria just to go see uh, where Fulton Sheen grew mm -hmm. up, uh, kind of look at the museum that was there and met some of the people there. And of course, they they heard of my um, zeal for the mission. And then I got a, a personal invitation from the Bishop of, of Peoria to come and sit on the board of directors uh, for, his con for his canonization. So uh, I'm the only non-American on that board and uh, it's a great privilege to uh, sit um, you know, on the board for his cause. And it's been a great journey. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride with, uh, if you follow the news on Fulton Sheen's, um, you know, yeah. um, process or his cause for his canonization, uh, it's never a dull moment. No, but, I, I, uh, bet, I bet of the sign of the times uh, of what the church is living through in, in our day and age. You know, and your story just reminds me of, of a quote I love sharing. And I'll have to figure out who said it because uh, I, I don't know the origins of this, but God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I think that's the, the, the case with you, that uh, he, he's given you the qualifications uh, on the ground and, and running. And we'll kind of get you off the the seminary stories before you keep fumbling between seminary and, and cemetery and, and all that, but share a little bit about your, your recent Sheen books and kind of let us know where we can find them. All right. I had this idea probably back in 2014 that, you know, as I started to work for the Sheen foundation in Peoria, um, you know, and I had so many great people, um, working with me, Father Andrew Apostoli, um, again, just to name one of the, you know, well-known names. And of course, um, he was the vice postulator for quite some time. And um, again, Monsignor Deputy, Monsignor Sosman. Um, and what they had was they had this great zeal to say, we need people to share Sheen's writings and his audio recordings, his videos. Uh, we want to reintroduce Sheen to not only the old generation, but a new generation of viewers and listeners. And so uh, part of the apostolic outreach of the Sheen um, Foundation in Peoria is to get his writings out there. And I started to realize of his 70, close to 70 books, many of them were sitting on shelves, hadn't been republished. Uh, they were going nowhere. Yes, there's the popular titles like Life of Christ, Three to Get Married, the world's first love. Uh, there's a good dozen of them that I think everybody knows, um, you know, his. And they're all sitting on my bookshelf. Yeah. They are, yes. But there is again, another 50 books that are all treasures that uh, need to be put back into circulation. And so I kind of said, I, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to be that guy that uh, republishes um, these Sheen treasures because I have to admit, all through high school and college, I was a bit of a copy job guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, I love copying other people's papers, you know, and, um, and yet this is a copy job. This is basically taking the old manuscripts and then republishing them. But you had to find the old manuscripts and then find out if uh, they were public domain or if there was a copyright attached to the works. And so I've been so doing that. And I was going to say, so it was about a year or so ago, I'd have to look up for the date, but it was uh, about a year and a half to two years ago, where the inventor of the copy paste tool in the, the uh, like Microsoft Word passed away. And I know all of my students were like, in in grieving like they were they were they were in mourning for the cop the, the the guy from copy paste had passed away so what you're saying is is uh he was one of your heroes as well true true yes and so you know again i had this desire to just say you know i'm gonna do this work i don't know how i'm gonna do it as a plumber but i, I i'm gonna get this thing done you know and uh one of the prayers i pray every day and my kids kind of like it is i always say dear lord make it easy make <laughs> it easy you know but he um, never does or no, he doesn't no. he doesn't promise it's going to be easy no i know but he's he's really helped me a lot so 
Um, you know, in 2016, I thought, you know, I see this connection with Sheen wrote all of these books on the seven last words. And I thought, you know what, maybe I should put them all together in a bit of a retreat book. Um, because I think, you know, by themselves, they, they're beautiful, but they don't do the same thing as if you put them all together. And so all of a sudden I thought, okay, I put seven of them together, almost as if I was giving a retreat for my family, uh, taking them on a spiritual journey. And I remember going to a, a family retreat of a Madonna house. Um, there was a group called, you know, Nazareth House or Cana Colony. And, you know, again, the formators there were saying to the men, remember, you're the spiritual head of the family in that you're responsible in teaching the faith and making sure that your wife and children are provided with a good catechesis. And, you know, I want you to be able to, I think one year I went there, they said, the homework they gave the men was that we had to put on a retreat for our family, that you have to be the retreat master because you're the father and you have to provide a retreat for your wife and children. Wow. So go at it. And I took that no pressure, my, no pressure, but I thought, yeah, I want to put a book together. That's going to be a retreat book for my wife and children. And after I started to see what Fulton Sheen was doing and how he was trying to teach the virtues, he was trying to help people to avoid the seven deadly sins. He was trying to help them to live the Beatitudes. I thought, what a great lesson plan. And so I put all seven of these books together and made an anthology called The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. And I, I went to Sophia Institute Press because they had published Victory Over Vice, which was one of my first books that I fell in love with. So I looked on the back of the book and I said, oh, this is the publisher I, I'm supposed to call. And I wrote to them and I said, I have this idea. Uh, what do you think? And they said, send us the first chapter uh, of what you've set up. And I sent it to them. And within a week, they had sent me a contract to say, we want to do this book. And so we did this first anthology. Um, again, they that, that, it, that is fast. That's that's miraculous. That, that uh... Make it easy, Lord. Make it easy. <laughs> I've been praying that for years. And so that... Um, you know, happened. And the book was published in 2018. And um, I tell you, they, it is now almost like I say, a Lenten favorite for many people. And um, uh, the good Lord has, uh, we have sold thousands and thousands of copies of that book. Uh, but it is a treasure. It's, it is one of those books that's here to stay, because it's the seven books put into one that uh, really helps. So uh, and, and you have it laid out or you, you, you will, you can lay it out for different readings. So it's not necessarily to be read sequentially. Uh, and as you're saying that I'm pulling out the piece of paper that's stuck inside my copy of, <laughs> you know, the cries of Jesus from the cross, um, you know, but it's the 2019 Lenten reading schedule. So all the dates are wrong. So I need you to come by and uh, with a pen and change all of the dates for 2022, uh, but no, you also have it listed day, day one uh, through day 45. And it's not necessarily to be done sequentially. Uh, you know, you, it's an amazing book to sit down and read cover to cover mm -hmm. and, and going through the seven words, but also the, the Lenten journey that it can take readers on as well. Right, right. Yeah, so we did that. And then, of course, I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. I had to kind of... Uh, do you know something else and I thought okay Fulton Sheen has all of these themes and so he had all these books on the seven last words in the cross and so we put the cries of Jesus from the cross together but then I thought boy he's got some great books on prayer uh, he wrote uh, you know extensively on the mass the holy hour even the our father and I thought you know what everybody needs a good book on prayer and he had a number of meditation books, these little pamphlets that he produced in the hundreds of thousands of copies. And so I put together all of his writings on prayer and put it into a little anthology and called it Lord Teach Us to Pray. And I dedicated the book to St. Joseph, uh, which was uh, made that dedication even before the year of St. Joseph was declared. Um, I just had this hunch to say, dedicate this book to St. Joseph, because it was St. Joseph that taught our Lord how to pray. And it was St. Joseph who practiced adoration in that he got to adore our Lord in Bethlehem, in the stable, 
and to adore our Lord every day when he was in his presence. And so uh, who better to go to than St. Joseph uh, when it comes to prayer? And so uh, that, um, again, a little anthology has really helped a lot of people. Again, thousands and thousands of copies sold, uh, which I'm, I'm pinching myself because here I am, again, this plumber from Canada that gets, that gets this idea to say, you know what, I, I, like, I'm a, like a, a chef saying, you know, I think you put a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and you got a masterpiece. You got yourself, uh, you know, voila, there you go. But it, um, sometimes it takes that guy that's just a little bit on the outside that sees the whole picture it's kind of like those, those pointillist paintings if you're up really close to it and you're, you're studying sheen and you're you're writing you're only just seeing the little dots right it's when you step away from it and you see all of the dots put together that you see the masterpiece that right. he has created right and you know so we did that and then i thought okay sheen wrote so much on the sacraments he he wrote two books on the priesthood the priest is not his own and those mysterious priests. He wrote a catechism series in 1965, which is 50 lessons. Um, you know, he wrote Three to Get Married in 1951, and so many couples use that book either for pre-marriage or even uh, sometimes when they're well into the journey of marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, 1962, he wrote a book called These Are the Sacraments. And, um, you know, it was around the time of Vatican II, and I think Fulton Sheen knew that uh, we were in for a bit of a rocky, you know, a bumpy he could road. see what was coming down the pipe. Yeah. And he thought, you know, and he talks a lot of times in his books about leaving good maps, leaving good maps behind, because when we forget our way, if you have a good map, you can find your way back. And so Fulton Sheen put uh, into a book form, uh, the sacraments. And so if you forget what the sacraments are, there's a book on it. And again, he's, he's, he's helping you out. And so uh, this book was going nowhere. In 1962, it was penned, uh, hadn't been republished. And I thought, you know what? Uh, we've kind of lost our way on the sacraments. So mm -hmm. every, every Catholic home needs a book on marriage and a book on the sacraments. And so I put the two together and called it Archbishop Shane's Book of Sacraments. And uh, I tell you, we, it's only been out for two, three weeks. And Again, thousands of copies have flown off the shelf already because everybody's saying, you know what? I don't really know what baptism really is. And I don't really know what confirmation really is. Maybe I should have a book in case my kids ask me the question, what is baptism, dad? What is confirmation? Um, and these are the kind of things that they need to get in the hands of the, the catechists in all yes. of our parishes, because they're usually the ones answering those questions because, you know, the the people on the street that are asking that question, especially when it comes to uh, the sacraments for their children and, you know, okay, it's time. It's grade two. It's time for first communion and reconciliation. And we need to take that box, but we don't know what it is or it's grade seven and it's time for confirmation. And we need to take that box, but we don't know what it is. Joe blow on the street. Isn't necessarily going to take the time to go and read a book on that. They want the 32nd answer. And they're going to go to the catechist. So if there's any uh, pastors out there or catechists out there, you need to get your hands on this book so that you can answer those questions when people come knocking at the door. Right. And I will say that when I, of course, read the books, and of course, when you're the editor compiler, you read the manuscript probably 20 times. You yep. Know? Yep. And so you get to know the material uh, very well. And I tell you, my love for the sacraments just grew because I just took the sacraments for granted to kind of went through the motions. And, and even sometimes sadly with family members, you just show up at the events. I shouldn't say the event. I mean, it's sometimes but for most, are, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, right. but I, I just now know what I have and I appreciate now the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of confirmation, the sacrament of penance. And, um, and even I had to kind of learn what, you know, the anointing of the sick was all about, because I think sometimes we thought, oh, if you get the anointing of the sick, you're on your deathbed, <laughs> like you're in trouble, you know, that's usually um, what it means. Yeah. Yeah. But really, the anointing of the sick was to 
say the prayers, anoint with oil, so that they would recover, you know, that you recover. And Fulton Sheen tells of many stories where he anointed the sick and they recovered because in scriptures, that's what the apostles were told, uh, you know, anoint with oil, pray and pray they recover and they do. So, um, so, so Dennis, if you're listening, get a hold of your pastor and get anointed. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And, yes. And, and it's a very beautiful sacrament. Right. So whether it's a pastor, whether it's a catechist or whether it's, you know, Robert, on the other end of the microphone, where can we get copies, not just of these anthologies, right. but of all the other Sheen books that you've put okay. out there? Yeah. So my publisher for the three anthologies is Sophia Institute Press. And uh, I think their website is just sophiainstitute.com. Um, but there's a thing called Amazon. And um, of course, it's you can Google that and you'll find it. Uh, but I've many- ne- never heard of it. I know it's a newer company, um, although it's pretty big, you know, and um, uh, even homeschooled children know what Amazon is. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, but, um, you know, I think it's wherever fine books are sold, but uh, Sophia Institute Press has done a great job, of course, um, just promoting the books. And of course, they uh, are tied in beautifully with EWTN television and a number of the um, you know, uh, radio stations in the States. Uh, of course, Catholic radio in America is huge. Um, we don't really have much Catholic radio in Canada, if anything at all, but still, let's pray for that. Let's pray but for that. We, we have lots of wonderful podcasts, we such do. as the, the, the Pints and Pews. And, yes, uh, right. Yeah. But um, what I did uh, a little while ago during COVID, um, I started to realize, okay, uh, we're not going anywhere. All the events have been canceled. We're housebound. And a lot of us were getting zoomed out in that we had saw so much video. Uh, we were all in these Zoom meeting rooms. And um, I think we all tuned out and we thought, you know, let's go back to reading a good book. And I knew that that whole art of reading was going to have a bit of a, you know, I just like, it's almost like a renaissance. And uh, so I have felt this holy inspiration just to uh, take a number of Sheen's works and publish them myself um, individually. Um, you know, publish uh, The Rainbow of Sorrows, you know, a book from 1937 that hasn't been republished by itself in all these years. Uh, you know, republish The Seven Virtues that no one, no major publisher has picked up this book. And uh, so I, of course, have the uh, manuscript that I've, I worked on years ago, and I just designed a cover. And um, again, with uh, you know self-publishing today, uh, you can do that. And so I was able to um, uh, publish twenty of my own books. Uh, and uh, because I have a, a website called Bishop Sheen Today, I called the publishing arm Bishop Sheen Today Publishing. And so uh, I am now the uh, publisher of twenty. Uh, Fulton Sheen titles um, through Bishop Sheen, and you can find these books on Amazon. And uh, you can even find me as an author on uh, Amazon, just Alan Smith. And so uh, I now have a number of books going out in the marketplace. Uh, My best-selling book is the Holy Hour Prayer Book. And so I just took Sheen's writings on the Holy Hour and made it into a beautiful book. And um, you know, uh, it is uh, flying off the shelves. It's um... As we started off uh, earlier, uh, an hour or so ago, we were talking about our, our wives' Portuguese heritage and the, the beauty of the faith interwoven within the Portuguese culture. Uh, and we were talking about the festas and about the processions and how they put all of that together. Uh, I know that you yourself are a fourth degree knight, and I myself am a a third degree knight. Uh, I was, uh, I had the honor and the privilege uh, not so long ago to be at a parish function where there was a fourth degree team. There was the the degree team from the Knights of Columbus uh, for this event in the parish. And all of the knights, the degree team, were wearing their regalia. So they had the chapeau, 
and the capes and the swords. I love it. I absolutely love the, the tradition of the Knights of Columbus regalia. Unfortunately, in the last little while, the Knights of Columbus, someone somewhere uh, decided that they needed to get rid of the regalia, replace the chapeau with a, a beret, replace the capes with a blazer. Uh, and they look more like uh, the veterans uh, from the Royal Canadian Legion as opposed to uh, the Knights of Columbus, who we've all grown up seeing and loving. And if anything, it was the regalia that would attract young men to the Knights of Columbus. So we always finish the podcast with kind of a yes or no question or a question that's on a a bit of a a touchy subject for some people. Uh, And I've uh, opened Pandora's box on this uh, before uh, with asking some of these questions. But I wanted to, to ask you, as a fourth degree knight, the regalia, the chapeau, the cape, the sword yes or no yes i i will say yes and um it's a yes that you know i i I belong to this organization and anybody that's followed me knows that i have a vested interest in this fight and um again i i am the faithful navigator of a very active assembly and of course uh, i live in midland ontario and the martyr shrine is there it's a national shrine it's in my backyard so i have done lots of activity at the martyr shrine and the regalia is the iconic look of the knights of columbus i mean and we know what it stands for um but the organization is a group of members who vote on things and sometimes of course there is administration that um, makes decisions on behalf of the memberships that we may not agree with. And so uh, many of us have paid a price. I know I was suspended uh, by the Knights of Columbus for my stance on regalia. I was uh, wearing regalia, even though they had outlawed, uh, they had made a, um, a rule to um, you know, phase it out, but to, to actually penalize members who would wear the regalia. And, uh, but again, being the leader, uh, 24 of my men and myself, continued to wear regalia. And so uh, the penalty that was levied was they, of course, suspended me for uh, being a bad example to 24 other men, but uh, uh, they all did. And so, of course, I was suspended for about three months and then reinstated. I think uh, cool heads prevailed. And I always say that uh, this is, um, there's constant dialogue, um, even though it doesn't look too promising for men who have chapeaus and capes I always say, um, you know, those are capes that you own. Uh, These are chapeaus that you've earned and swords that you are proud to have. And as you had said, there are many men that still continue to wear regalia, uh, even if they're going against, um, you know, um, I guess a rule. Uh, But again, they belong to a group that's part of a democracy, I like to think. And so uh, there is always hope that the regalia will be grandfathered and that this pushback that you see, um, you know, because people are saying, oh, I saw a group of men from uh, Collingwood wearing regalia, and I saw a group of men from Barrie wearing regalia, and I saw a group in uh, Oshawa wearing regalia, and I thought that you changed the uniform. And I said, yeah, you changed the uniform, but you didn't change the men who want to stand up and represent something. And so those men uh, believe in this. And this is what uh, the degrees that people go through. You had mentioned that you were, you know, a member of good standing in your third degree. Uh, there's men that uh, take this fourth degree. And of course, uh, all the theology behind it. Uh, we're guardians mm-hmm. of the Eucharist. We're, um, we're here very much present at Eucharistic celebrations. And so uh, we want to give God our best. And so a cape, a tuxedo, um, is our, it is the best, uh, the best that we can give our Lord. And so I still believe strongly in this tradition and this form of uh, presenting. And uh, I will always say yes to regalia. And yeah. um, uh, even if it pay, it, it, there's a price that we pay, and, uh, but still, uh, I still like to believe in democracy. 
And uh, there are conventions that are held each year with the Knights of Columbus and resolutions are presented and voted on. And so uh, each year we present a resolution that they would reinstate the regalia or grandfather it. And so we're hopeful that as uh, these conventions take place that our voice will be heard. Uh, I can always have to clarify, even though I am a fan of traditional regalia, I am still a fan of the organization of the Knights of Columbus and I want to be a good son. Don't get me wrong. I yeah, still, yeah, yeah. But I still want to be an advocate for others who feel as passionate on that. So uh, whether it's the new uniform or the old uh, uniform, um, it's still it's a uniform for the honor guard and color guards of the order of the Knights of Columbus. And again, uh, we have to remember that it is its own little separate club. <laughs> and yes, uh, yes. every club has its own rules. So, But it's not uh, the Yacht Club. It's not the Yacht Club. It's not the Yacht Club. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm a lightning rod for this. Uh, I have a whole video series that people have followed me on YouTube for years. And uh, but still, at the end of the day, I want to be a good son. And so but I, I, I enjoy these conversations because it's good to talk about the theology behind things, why we do these things. And, and I was going to say, and I think that we, we could talk again for, for hours. We, we could talk for hours about your work with Fulton Sheen. We could talk for hours about uh, your work with the Knights. We could talk for hours about your work at the seminary. And we could probably talk for hours about your work at the cemetery as yes. well, but not to be confused with your work at the seminary. That's right. So, I mean, looking at the clock, we this, this conversation has been fantastic. And like I say, uh, when he listens to it, Dennis is going to wish that he was here with us. Uh, so we'll definitely have to have you back again uh, to speak on your Sheen Apostolate and, and to speak on the, the work that you do up at Midland at Martyr Shrine. I would love to talk to you about Martyr Shrine uh, as well uh, on that. So it's been, been a pleasure. And I want to thank you for joining myself, for joining us, Dennis, again, kind of here in spirit, if you will. Uh, but thank you for joining us on the Pints and Pews podcast. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I tell you, as I said earlier, I said, uh, where do I go to, you know, get invited to a podcast where I get to bring my own beverage, <laughs> sip on it as I go. Um, and of course, um, get invited to come back again to do this all over. So uh, again, I wish there was more podcasts where uh, <laughs> beverages were included. So uh, this is very refreshing. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you find the podcast refreshing. I'm glad that you find the, the no boats on Sunday refreshing. Uh, my octopus likes to fight IPA was also very refreshing. That's how I know that we're, we're at time. The glass is empty. The conversation was fantastic. The pints were nice. But more than that, it was so nice to talk about the Catholic faith here today. And one thing I want to do just as we finish up is I want to ask our listeners if they could take a, a quick moment and uh, maybe just a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on their favorite platform and to give us a review and uh, as well maybe take the time to, to like the Pints and Pews podcast on Facebook uh, to look for the Fulton Sheen Today website and give that a follow and find you can find them on facebook as well and god willing alan you and i will chat again soon god willing dennis will recuperate and be able to to join us and until we come together again i'd like to remind all of our listeners of the wise words of gk chesterton in catholicism the pint the pipe and the cross can all fit together god bless <laughs>